Hi, this is a few minutes of introduction to the podcast. I'm Yvonne Pran, and this is in some really important material that I discovered that I hadn't loaded up to this podcast channel. It started out, this particular podcast that I'm going to get to in a few minutes, started out as added material to the podcast on life after death in the Old Testament. What it is, is it's a critique of scholars who don't believe that life after death in the Old Testament is true, but it became much more as I realized as I was working on the timeline to illustrate to you what I was talking about that the timeline that I was doing actually showed overall how a lot of scholars have some really faulty beliefs when it comes to how they date things in the Bible. I felt it was really important for you to understand this and so I put together this whole timeline that I have illustrated for you and supplementary materials in this podcast but then um, and this was supposed to go out to you before Christmas but uh, two days before Thanksgiving I had to have major surgery and then all the holiday stuff and COVID kind of hovering over everything. Um, Somehow this got lost. But as the new year has come about in the last few weeks, I've been working very hard reorganizing all of the lessons. I've added videos, notes, questions, all kinds of material for you. And I discovered this podcast. Now, I realized like I said, that it's important not only in what it shows were false conclusions about the life after death one, but it really illustrates the bigger picture of why anti-supernaturalist scholars are incorrect in their commentary about the Bible in many areas. Their mistakes don't have anything to do with them either believing or not believing in God. They're simply about the dating of resources. They will use a source, for example, something from 70 AD, and they will cite that as an influence on something in the Old Testament that was written and universally dated almost 500 years earlier. I don't know why they do this. I am not going to ascribe motive. But if you simply look up the dates on things, put them on a timeline, you can see these mistakes, which is what I did for you on this lesson. The faith of many people, this is the big concern, has been damaged by quotes from these so-called scholars who call into question the supernatural aspects of the Bible based on quoting writers from times that have nothing to do with the passages that they're talking about. Fortunately, though, our God can be trusted. And if we take time to simply look up universally agreed upon dates for writings and then the messages that God communicated in the Bible, you can see the accuracy of them. Now, I'll be bringing up a lot more examples on this type of thing as we go through the Bible in the coming year as we read through it. Forgive me for not getting this to you sooner, but now I'm going to have a little bit of music and we'll start in to the podcast. Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran, and this is a brief critique of the scholars who don't believe that the Old Testament teaches life after death. Now, this is actually a continuation of the previous lesson that affirms it, and I do encourage you to look at that lesson first. In that related lesson, I talked about the assurance of life after death as being clearly taught in the Old Testament. So please go to www.bible805.com 
www.ChrisTaylor.com for links to it, for notes, for the videos, for all of the different things on that. But I also acknowledged in that that some scholars do not believe that the Old Testament teaches life after death. And this has sadly even filtered down into many otherwise Bible-believing churches. And so I wanted to pull out a summary of that incorrect belief and refute it for you. It's really not that hard to do, but that's what this lesson is all about. Now, I'm going to briefly summarize that view. This is only a part of the summary of it, but I think it's very representative of what the whole um, group of people that believe this, what they say. Critiques of the Bible state that God didn't reveal the existence of an afterlife in the Old Testament. Instead, they think that the Jewish people slowly invented it over time. They also state that this idea developed on the basis of a number of different interactions with different thought patterns, but one of the main ones that comes up again and again is with Greek thought. For example, in the Odyssey and the views that it has of Sheol and the afterlife and what a murky, vague place it was. And then also in later what we call apocryphal writings of Enoch and the fourth book of Ezra. So they say that that's where where people got the ideas. Now, I'm going to quote some of their words and then show how they're incorrect through both a timeline and then quotations of writings from the Old Testament, from the dates in the timeline that I'm sharing with you that clearly show that the Old Testament does affirm a view of life after death. Now, one thing that's really important here is to remember that you don't have to believe that the Bible's divinely inspired. You don't have to believe that God can do this, but you cannot deny the clear written, historically verified documentation of the Jews' belief in life after death. In other words, don't worry about all kinds of, if you if you don't believe in the Bible, all of the theological arguments or any of that sort of thing now. Just look at the Old Testament as a historical record of what the Jewish people believed. Just that for now, and that will be enough for you to see their clear beliefs. Okay, let me quote first of all a summary of the false viewpoint. To quote a representative example of the false view that the Old Testament doesn't teach life after death, and I'm starting the quote now, most of the scholarly world agrees that there is no concept of immortality of life after death in the Old Testament. With these words, George Mendenhall summarizes the consensus of critical academics regarding the afterlife in the Hebrew Bible. Even many Jewish thinkers deny an afterlife. For instance, in a 1991 interview, Jewish professor Yeshenatu Leibowitz said, Death has no significance. Only life matters. In the entire Torah, there is not the slightest suggestion that anything happens after death. All the ideas and theories articulated on the subject of a world to come and the resurrection of the dead have no relationship to religious faith. It is sheer folklore. After you die, you simply do not exist. In summary, 
This quote, and many like it, argue that the concept of an afterlife was an evolutionary development. God didn't slowly reveal the subject of heaven. Instead, the Jewish people slowly invented it over time. Now, let me comment on this quote. First of all, the views here are so misleading and it just makes me crazy when he says most of the scholarly world. That is simply not true. Some secular scholars, yes, but most of the scholarly world, that's just not true. And as you'll see, the Old Testament has far more than not the slightest suggestion about life after death. The problem is, and I don't know why, but the critics just didn't read it. And the Jewish people did not invent the idea. God revealed it. And not slowly. It is there from the earliest book in the Bible, as I'll soon demonstrate. Now let me quote another representative's false view. Professor Megan Henning, who is Assistant Professor of Christian Origins at the University of Dayton, put it this way. Prior, and I quote, prior to the Second Temple period, both Jewish and Greek thought were dominated by the idea that people went to the same space after death and lived a shadowy existence. In the Hebrew Bible, this space is called Sheol. In the Greek texts, like the Odyssey, it is called Hades. By the Second Temple period, apocalyptic literature had configured separate spaces for persons both before and after the final judgment, based on different types of earthly behavior. The final judgment, or day of judgment, refers to a future date on which all of the dead will be raised, souls will be reunited with bodies, and all people and nations will be judged by God. First Enoch 22, for instance, describes four containers that souls inhabit while they await judgment. Similarly, in 4th Ezra 7, readers are confronted with two ways, one that is wide and easy and leads to destruction, and another that is narrow and difficult and leads to paradise. Now in summary, Professor Henning proposes that the Jewish view of life after death was influenced by first the Odyssey and then later writings including First Enoch and Ezra. Now, this is where it just, oh, it just so frustrates me. She throws around events and sources, and a lot of the people that are in this camp do that. She talks about, oh, the Second Temple period, and Jewish and Greek thought, and the Odyssey came here, and then Enoch and Ezra. And she throws around these sources, these events, and she does it very forcefully, very confidently, and we assume she's correct. But she isn't. Her dating is all messed up. As any resource, Wikipedia, the encyclopedia, anything, you go through and you date some of the different, the just quotes out of the Old Testament and the Odyssey and First Enoch and fourth, the fourth book of Ezra, and you'll see that <laughs> they just don't have anything to do with each other. And I'll show you exactly in just a minute. I'm going to show you an objective timeline to analyze the, the validity of her conclusions. Now, here is the timeline. Here's a picture of it. Now, um, I have a copy of this for you on www.bible805.com. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to go through it and 
please do go to www.bible805.com and download it because this is one of those things that I think really helps for you to see it. And I was kind of, I'll tell you what prompted it. I was a bit confused when I first read what she wrote and I thought, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. You know, now I've got a degree in history, but a master's degree in history, and, and I really studied the early church and all that. But, you know, you forget, you know, what happened, when, and all that. So I just looked up the dates of things, and I'm going, this is absolutely crazy. Let me go through and tell you why. Uh, first of all, in the beginning, God created humanity to walk with him forever. That's in Genesis 1 through 3. That's where I start out on dating the beliefs of life after death. Because as I say in the other podcast, in the other video, and please look at that if you haven't, God did not create a throwaway humanity. He created humanity to walk with him forever. Now we know sin broke that, but he promised a savior. Then we go through Old Testament history. The first view of life after death in the Old Testament is, of course, the life of Enoch. Now, that's totally different than the book that um, First Enoch that talks about various um, philosophical things. That doesn't come till literally thousands of years later. But the actual person, Enoch, and in the Bible where it talks about he didn't die, but God bodily took him to heaven, that's in Genesis 5. That was that is part of the Torah, that the one gentleman says there's absolutely no mention. Well, yeah, there is. It's right there, and there are numerous other ones. And in the time of the patriarchs, um, including Abraham and Job, I do believe, lived at about that time. And he has a very, very clear affirmation of life after death and I'll show you the whole quote in a few minutes but then we move along in the Old Testament to the time of David this was around a thousand to 850 or so BC the writing of the Psalms many many verses on life after death then the uh, the prophets the prophet Isaiah many passages on not only just personal life after death but the coming kingdom of God now Isaiah wrote between 740 to 701 BC. The Odyssey, which theoretically influenced all this previous thought, wasn't actually written until 675 to 725 BC. So obviously it couldn't have written, it couldn't have influenced all of the writings that came before it. Then after that, we have the book of Daniel, who again clearly wrote about final events on earth and life after death. He lived in from 620 to 6 to excuse me, 620 to 538 BC. Then she mentions you notice several times and a lot of scholars talk about this. Oh, the second temple period. Oh, the second temple period. Well, that wasn't until 538 BC. I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But um, during the second temple period, this is when um, uh, they came back from the captivity and built the second temple after Solomon's. Now, the next significant event is around 400 BC. All 
39 books of the Old Testament that I will show you have extensive documentation of life after death. All of them were written. Now, keep that date in mind, 400 B.C. The book of Enoch that she talks about, that she says influenced all this other stuff, it was not written until around 200 B.C. So, 200 years later than all this stuff that it theoretically influenced. Not only that, the book of 4th Ezra, this was not actually written until most scholars believe 70 A.D., which was even after the life of Christ. So, very, very sloppy scholarship, and I don't know why, but if you just go through, look at what she cites, look at the actual dates, you can see this is not a theological debate. It's just a simple matter of correct dating the historical documents. Now, one more thing, and I just, I had to bring this up, it just this made me crazy, and please go to the website, you can read more about it, I won't go into it in extensive detail here, but where she talks about many things on the in the Second Temple period. A lot of scholars, to make things line up with their beliefs, and this is secular scholars, they don't want to believe in true prophecy, so instead of that they say, well, all the prophecy was really written after the events. Well, <laughs> when you look at the actual timeline, you have this brief little period here between 538 BC and 400 BC, when even the very uh, most secular scholars agree that all of the Old Testament books were written. Now, they will say, oh, the book of Job couldn't have been written earlier because, you know, I mean, it says all this stuff that it, it, basically they don't want to believe in a supernatural bias for you know God revealing these things so they say all of it happened after the fact and and the book of Job it couldn't have really been about this conversation between you know God and a real man you know so it all had to be written later so they put the book of Job down there and then they say all the prophets wrote down uh, wrote during that time and what's interesting to me is I got to thinking about it I thought basically what they say in different scattered writings is that you need to move all of the uh, prophetic books the book of Job all of these things that actually have a supernatural component you have to say they were all written during this short little time span now when you think about it it's absolutely goofy um, that all of these people got together during this time that none of the Old Testament had been written prior to this or maybe just scattered notes or whatever, but they all got together and of course we don't know any of their names. Uh, we're discounting all of Jewish history, all of the tradition that says when things were written and who wrote them. We're discounting all of that and this totally anonymous group of people got together and put together all this stuff that that's what we're supposed to believe the Old Testament said, but it really didn't say that. Um, again, it absolutely boggles the imagination. Now, I do have, like I said, a kind of a clear chart on this. Now, and it may be difficult to believe that a God outside of time could communicate not only future events to his prophets and also consistently assure his people of really core eternal truths such as life after death. 
But I think it's much more difficult to believe that some totally unproven group of writers, influenced by who knows what, concoct all these after-the-fact prophecies and promises of eternal life when they knew they were false. It's so much easier just to believe the book written as it was written by a God who loves us. Now, let me read you some representative quotes from the Old Testament regarding life after death. Again, you don't need to believe that the Bible was divinely inspired. Please just look at these. If this is if this is all you can do, just look at these as historical writings by Jewish people spread throughout the timeline of the Old Testament. The first one, Job 19:25 through 27, where he says, "I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. In Psalm 49:15, God will redeem my soul from the power of death, for he will receive me. Psalm 73:26, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me to glory. In Isaiah 25.8, it says, He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. In Daniel 12.3, And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. And my favorite in Psalm 23.6, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Obviously, we cannot ascribe motive. Who knows why the scholars and professors deny a clear and consistent affirmation of life after death in the Old Testament. But as a timeline and a simple reading of the verses, and there are many, many more of them, show the firm belief was there from the earliest days throughout Old Testament history. Our only conclusion can be that the critics didn't read the primary historical documents of the beliefs of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Please don't make that same mistake. So therefore, a most important application for all of you, all of us, is to read or listen to your Bible. And don't just jump around and read a little here, a little there, a little everywhere. Please read it in chronological order. I have other videos, podcasts, articles, all sorts of things on why I have an ebook, why this is really important to do that. Because once you get a sense of the history of the Bible, of how God worked in a consistent timeline, I guarantee it will change your life. And there are many, many free resources on the Bible 805 website to help you do that. I've got schedules, little check boxes, um, journal pages, all of that for you. The YouTube channel has videos on it. The podcast has podcasts on it. So please do 
take advantage of all those. The Bible Verse Shop has printables, ebooks, all kinds of resources for you. Now I want to end with, I just couldn't get this out of my mind when I was working on this. One of my favorite characters in church history is St. Augustine. And I want to end with a historical challenge from his life. Tole lege, tole lege. Uh, that's a Latin phrase that means take up and read. And St. Augustine, and most people are familiar with his wonderful quote where he said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. He traced the final step of his conversion to hearing. He thought at first it was from children, but he realized it was later the voice of God. This phrase, tole lege, tole lege, take up and read, take up and read. He took up the Bible, he read it, and not only his life, but the history of the church was changed. He wrote many, many things, thousands and thousands of pages, many books. One of the most important things is he clearly identified and exegeted the idea of salvation by grace alone, which later Martin Luther read. That's what prompted, helped to prompt the entire Protestant Reformation. And he, his, his confessions and many of his writings still, still challenge us today. God still speaks. And if you respond to his challenge, tole lege, tole lege, take up and read. Who knows what God might do through your life? That's all for now. Please check out the show notes and other materials at www.bible805.com. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Prynne, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey, to a growing knowledge of God's Word, and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.